Archaeology Doesn't Suck, the podcast where you come to get all of your daily outrage over the latest news cycle uh, things. And um, so we're going to share some outrage with you today. Uh, I'm Andy Herman, uh, my lovely co-host on the other side of the computer screen and the other side of the country is Josh Patterson. Josh, how's it going? I am good, man. How are you? I'm I'm just dandy, really. <laughs> I'm outraged, obviously, um, at whatever at whatever the latest um, event that I should be outraged at is. That makes but, sense. Uh, but uh, you know, other than that, I'm good. That's um, good, dude. I yeah. like getting outraged about stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Outrage. I mean, here's the thing: is I don't know. I've been spending more time on Twitter lately, and what I've learned. Twitter is vile. <laughs> if you if you don't get outraged quick enough on Twitter, it hurts your brand. <laughs> so I think the game on Twitter is just to be the first one to be outraged, and then you'll get a lot of people who retweet you because you know they share your outrage. That's fair. Um, <laughs> there are Wendy's, some specific. Oh, Wendy's is really good on Twitter. Wendy's is funny on Twitter. I will. Um, I will gladly admit that. You know, I also saw a really funny Twitter battle uh, between a, I don't remember what it was called, but some kind of like lobster restaurant and PETA, the PETA? animal rights organization. Nice. Yeah. So they got into a Twitter battle because uh, PETA apparently put up like a billboard that had a pic, like had something about not eating lobster, like right by the restaurant. <laughs> so the restaurant like tweeted at them and then uh, a, a war ensued in which PETA was thoroughly torched. Oh yeah. Um, I bet. <laughs> Dude, my, yeah. so Noel, I don't know if you know this, but Noel's like a pescatarian, which means she's a vegetarian, but she eats seafood. Okay. Uh, but she like, and she, like she works in animal wef- welfare. She works yeah. at like a huge animal rescue for like dogs and cats. They have like a thousand animals in their care. Wow. Um, that's a lot. But she doesn't really like PETA cause she thinks that they kind of <laughs> like are a bit extreme. <laughs> PETA's a bit extreme. They can be a bit extreme. And also, I don't know. I've heard, <clears throat> I actually learned first learned about this from that Twitter war. Uh, I, apparently they have like, shelters where they end up killing like a ridiculously high percentage of their animals yeah um that's a big deal noelle's um where she works uh they have this big initiative actually that they stound started called countdown to zero where for the all of palm beach county which is massive if you don't know about south florida palm beach county is huge but basically they get other shelters in the area to agree to basically they're trying to make it so they don't kill for space um, they uh, okay. don't they don't use the language that like they never euthanize animals like that there are no kill shelter because that yeah. doesn't really exist because like if there's a like a quality of life issue where it's better to put an animal down like it's the more yeah. humane thing to do or there's like a dog that just is completely like will never be able to be adopted is like too aggressive to even like get near them kind of thing. That yeah. also is a quality of life, so they might put them down, but they don't. They don't kill for space. They don't just euthanize nice. dogs for no reason. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a nice. cool thing. Yeah, that is cool. Um, speaking of, this is kind of a tangent, but I just really want to tell you about what I did this weekend. So, speaking of, you mentioned you know you're in Florida, West Palm Beach, 
Uh, I think last episode, you know, you talked about how you like to go to the beach a lot. I do. And, you know, this last weekend, I actually got to go to the beach. Nice. Not in New Mexico, though. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, this past weekend, I went to Southern California um, for uh, the uh, Westminster Seminary there in uh, Escondido, California, which is a little north of San Diego. Uh, They were having a conference there, so... I went for the conference at Westminster Seminary, uh, and it was on the it was talking about the Synod of Dort. Which I don't, have you heard of that? I mm, I'm not so, quite sure. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you I'll give the overview for our listeners too. Uh, the Synod of Dort was uh, so a Synod is like an official like church gathering, basically like a church council almost for nerds. So yeah, so it was a gathering. Uh, it was a gathering of like delegates from all the reformed churches pretty much from all over europe other than france because they weren't allowed to go uh, hmm. their king didn't let them go um but so it was, it was a gathering of delegates from reformed churches all over europe and it happened in 1618 to 1619 so we're like right at the 400 year anniversary yeah um and it was actually the church council that formulated what has become known today as the five points of calvinism nice um and of course the important thing to remember is they didn't just formulate those for fun uh but the followers of arminius known as the remonstrants uh, mm-hmm. actually had had five points of contention with reformed theology okay and so they presented those five points of like contention or objection to the reformed churches and then the synod of dort responded and that response like those the theology contained in the response has basically become what's known as the five points of Calvinism. Cool. Um, Which we have so an anyway, episode on. So we do have go an episode check it on out. Calvinism. If you want to go check it out, uh, past episode. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I got to go to Westminster seminary. I got to go to that conference, which was awesome. Heard some amazing speakers. Uh, I got to hear Michael Horton in person. Uh, I'm jealous. Uh, Actually, I'm a he, fan he, of him. He's a professor there. Another guy, R. Scott Clark, who I really like, I got to hear in person. Um, he's another professor there. And I've, I'm actually reading a book of his right now called Recovering the Reformed Confession, which is really good about uh, basically, I mean, basically about how reformed churches need to be actually confessionally reformed and not just <laughs> there you say go. that they are. Um, I mean, it's more than that, but it's it, that's a really good book. But anyway, that was awesome. I got to go to the beach, though, which was beautiful. I didn't like go swimming or anything but i went like one evening and watched the sunset oh that's nice stuff like that it was very beautiful it was so beautiful um and it was super warm there it was so nice i mean it's like mid-january and it was like 70 degrees (laughs) it was crazy i mean people think new mexico is warm and it is compared to some places but i mean right now our highs are in like the 40s Oh wow, it's warmer here. Well, it's, we are more southern and you guys to the are more equator. southern and more tropical. You know, like <clears throat> we're a high desert, so we get some cold. Like it snowed today mm. here. Um, so New Mexico is not like hot all the time. But anyway, that was a cool experience. Um, have Have you had anything exciting happen recently? <laughs> I lost you for a little bit. Did you ask me if I've had anything exciting happen? Oh, oh yeah, we had a glitch. Yeah, no, I asked if anything exciting has happened with you recently. 
Uh, well, if we want to speak in moment to moment, like live update, uh, Alex Ovechkin currently has a hat trick in <laughs> the Capitals game against the San Jose Sharks. So, well, there you go. That's that all is you an need. exciting thing. <clears throat> yeah. So now he well, has thirty six goals so far in the season. Impressive. Wow. Is he is he the most in the league right now? Yes. Wow. Correct. That is a fact. And he's wow. old. And he's kicking butt. I almost said ass, but I didn't want to swear on our podcast, so I said. But butt. then you, but then you just, you just said it anyway. <laughs> so I didn't say it. Um. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing well. That's that's good because the the caps have been sucking. Um. But as far as exciting things in my life, uh, I mean, not not too too much going on, man. Just um, you know, working. Um, you know, I love, I love the students, uh, that I get, you know, have the opportunity to serve with. Um, yeah, we're doing a cool teaching series right now. What's that? Um, so basically there's this idea, uh, well, it's, it's based off a book, um, by a person that I actually mentioned on the last episode called Bruxy Cavey. Ah, uh, yes. And he has a book called um, Reunion, and the sub clause subtitle is something along the lines of like the good news message of Jesus for sinners, seekers, and saints, or sinners, saints, and seekers, something like that. And so his contention is basically that oftentimes the gospel is truncated, and we're only given one bit of the gospel, but the gospel is much bigger than what we're often, you know, presented with. So he basically the idea is that the gospel is bigger than Jesus died for our sins. Um, yeah. So he basically the book uh, comes up. He has this model that he creates um, called the gospel in 30 words, which says something along the lines of Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, establish God's kingdom, shut down religion so that we can share in God's life forever. Something along those lines. Um and so he has like the foundation of the gospel, which is uh, Jesus is God with us, the four gifts of the gospel, um, and then the like the reason for the gospel, the the you know the why behind it kind of thing. Um, so we're going through that, and each week we're doing you know one part of that thirty word breakdown. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds very Anabaptist. Yeah, it's it is very much so. <laughs> And I'm teaching it at a Methodist church. That's right. Well, Where I'll you know, go on record to say I'm not a member at that church. <laughs> Methodists are just want to be Anabaptists. The way uh, I see it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. That's true. I think uh, <laughs> Wesley liked the Anabaptists. Yeah, obviously. He emulated but them in many ways. Yeah, they're going through like, I, I mean, I'm sure you <clears throat> might know it. You probably know about this, Andy. But like the, the Methodist church is going through this whole big thing right now about like, homosexuality and like should pass can pastors be gay in the church can have they had their official decision on that yet no it just keeps getting dragged on um because i i thought i saw something about like the first openly gay methodist uh something or other i mean there could be like a service yeah there i mean that very well could be like there could be rebellious churches but the conference the church as a whole has not made a decision uh, that's okay. supposedly gotcha. supposedly coming up in February. They're going to make a, a thing about it. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. But what what's really interesting about and we don't have to talk about this because it's a whole this is a whole another episode in itself. But what's interesting about it is like part of the reason it's it's 
been so difficult for them to talk about in in the Methodist Church, which is global, is because you have countries involved in that. Since it's global, where like they don't they don't have this issue that we do with homosexuality. They don't talk about even, that. Is well, not, it's not even a big thing there. Well, it's not that it's well, yes, but it's because if you're gay, they kill you. <laughs> so it's like, oh, do we need to have gay pastors? No, because we'll just kill you instead. So like. <laughs> There's countries where it doesn't really matter, and so those yeah. countries still get a vote, and so those countries, since it doesn't matter, like they're like, why do we have to do this? So it's like this big drug out thing. In my mind, it's a waste of time, energy, resources, money, like all sorts of stuff. Just make a freaking decision. Like, come on, guys. Anyway, moving on so I don't get fired. <laughs> Andy, moving what are you on been so doing? Justice, get fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go well, Capitals. That's what my whole segment was about. Go Capitals. Yeah. Well, speaking of sports, Josh, you know, um, one of one of the most popular sports in America is football. That is true. And uh, <clears throat> do you know what day of the week most football games are played? Sunday. Sunday. That's right, Josh. <laughs> That's right. This um, is such a good transition. <laughs> so uh, today, what what I wanted to talk about, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is actually. Uh, the biblical view of the Lord's Day, Sunday, uh, and or, depending on your view, this is either an and or, <laughs> or uh, the Sabbath. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> basically, the idea of uh, how should Christians see the Lord's Day, Sunday? Um, should we see it as the Christian Sabbath? Uh, or is it something else altogether? Should we set it aside? Should we not? How should we treat it? Uh, so that's that's the topic I wanted to uh, discuss this episode. It, it is something I've been thinking about a lot lately and had a lot of good discussions about. So um, I have some thoughts going into it. But uh, I was I was kind of thinking, Josh, that I could kind of lay out my position and then you could kind of respond with some thoughts and we could go from there. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably wise because like, I don't have a super opinionated <clears throat> opinion of said matter so okay i would love to Sounds hear what good. you have to say and i'm sure it will spark various things within the confines of my mind all right so i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna lay it all out here so to give the brief summary um my my view which has re- <clears throat> um been a fairly recent development for me it's something i've been wrestling with a lot over the past few months not uh this isn't something i've been settled on for a long time but <clears throat> the view that i've come to uh, is that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. So the Lord's Day, or Sunday, uh, is the equivalent of the Sabbath for Christians. And um, there's there's a lot of reasoning behind this, and we might get into some of it more, but to kind of give an overview, um, I believe that the Sabbath command, the fourth commandment, uh, is still va- a valid part of moral law. So it's not part of uh, the ceremonial law that was abrogated by Jesus, uh, sacrifice on the cross. Okay. Um, you know, so, and, and the reason I say that is because it's not there. I mean, there are aspects of how Israel kept the Sabbath that were Mm -hmm. ceremonial and specific to their nation that were part of just the Mosaic covenant. Um, but the Sabbath commandment itself, the command to set apart one day as holy, uh, to set aside one day for rest and worship um, is actually um, ancient and really rooted in creation. So, I mean, we see in Genesis uh, chapter 1 
that even in the pattern of creation, right, God set apart a day as holy. He and set he one day out of rested. seven. Right, and it's not because God needed to rest. It's because he was setting a pattern for us, <laughs> no, right? He was tired, Andy, I think. Uh, that's yeah, was. God was just so tired because he knew that he was saving up energy to deal with Josh later down the road. He was like um, this freaking idiot. <laughs> yeah, but so Josh, uh, uh, not Josh set that pattern. God set that pattern for us in creation. <laughs> Uh, that of setting apart one day as holy and then again in the ten commandments i mean as a as a reformed christian and as most orthodox christians throughout history would would attest i believe that the moral law of god is still in effect for christians not as the grounds of our salvation but as um, a moral ideal for us to strive toward and so the ten commandments i believe are very clearly not ceremonial they're moral and so the Sabbath command is, <clears throat> once again, it's not only rooted in creation, but the Sabbath day is one of the Ten Commandments. It's not just some obscure uh, civil law somewhere in Leviticus, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it's one of those. So <laughs> so I've heard a joke that a lot of Christians believe in all nine of the Ten Commandments because <laughs> a lot of Christians just kind of forget about that command. Um, and so and that and one, so because kill of people. What and was that? I was going to say, and the one don't murder, but we'll, we'll and don't. Oh well, we could have a discussion about that too, but <laughs> that's another episode. Um, but anyway, so all that to say, to to even just go back to Old Testament roots, I think that the Sabbath command, the command to set apart one day as holy, uh, is still binding. Um, it hasn't been abrogated or removed in any way. Uh, just like the rest of the moral law hasn't been abrogated for Christians. We're, we're still shouldn't murder and shouldn't commit adultery and all th- all those sorts of things. And I think the Sabbath command is no different. Um, and then <clears throat> on top of that, um, I would say when we move into the New Testament, I think it becomes clear that uh, that we should be celebrating our Sabbath day on Sunday, not Saturday. And so... The reasoning I would give for this um, would be, first of all, that um, that in the Old Testament roots, like as far as creation and the Ten Commandments, uh, it's not necessarily clearly of the essence of the day that it's Saturday. The pattern is just really one and seven, yeah. and it doesn't become officially Saturday until God instates it with the Mosaic Covenant when he sets the pattern for them with gathering manna. Um, and so I don't think that the specific day of the week is necessarily of the essence, but I think God set Saturday for the church, for the church, for Israel in the old Testament. And he now sets Sunday as the day to be set apart as holy in the new Testament. Um, and I think there's a lot of evidences for that, such as the fact that the resurrection of Christ was on Sunday. Um, a lot of Christ's resurrection appearances to his, to his disciples were on Sunday if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on this, but I believe uh, <clears throat> the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was on a Sunday. Mm. Um, and then immediately th- in church history, we see the early church gathering for worship on Sunday, not on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> and so I think with all that evidence combined together, we see we still have the command to set apart that one day of the week. And it's it's clear that God has shifted it from Saturday to Sunday, in my view. Um, and and the view I hold would basically be the same view as the um, most as all the major reformed confessions and all like the reformed theologians coming out of the Reformation. So uh, 
and what that translates to in practice, maybe I should get to a little. <laughs> um, so what that translates to in practice, the fact that Sunday, the Lord's Day, is the Christian Sabbath, um, I think what it looks like is that Christians should be setting that day aside uh, for corporate worship. First of all, I think that's an important aspect of it, for worshiping together with your local church body. Um, and then also for rest and worship just throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the I've, I've come to a fairly strict view. I don't think that uh, Sundays are appropriate for like just any kind of recreational activity you want. Okay. Um, I don't think that like just having fun and doing whatever you think is restful is an appropriate like Sabbath activity. I think it's specifically resting in God. Like, so rest and worship go together. It's not just whatever you find restful. Okay. Um, and so like, and I wouldn't go, uh, out to eat on a Sunday, um, because I wouldn't want to cause others to work on a Sunday. Obviously I think you shouldn't work on a Sunday. I guess that's one of the most basic ones. Yeah. Um, but you should set that whole day aside for rest and worship. So, so yeah, so that's, um, I, I kind of rambled on a little bit there, but that's basically my position, uh, which is like the, <clears throat> the very traditional, uh, confessional reform position. But I don't know, Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, have you thought about this kind of thing before? Or maybe what, what's your initial reaction? Yeah. So, um, well, I guess what might be helpful is I can, I'll kind of share with you like my personal experience with like Sabbath. Um, and then we'll go for there because my, I mean, if I'm honest, my opinion on this matter, my thought on this matter is basically has only been shaped by my experience um, because I don't have a super, like I've not read a book on the Sabbath or anything like that. Um, I have an idea about it. Like I think the Sabbath is good. I think rest is necessary. I think like, I, I really like the kind of stuff you're saying about like creation and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll just kind of share my experience real quick. So (coughs) pretty much, um, where, so the church that I used to work at that I make fun of a lot, there was very some also very very positive things about them, um, and one thing that they they were extremely good about was keeping what their idea of the Sabbath was. Um, so they still did like the once a week thing, one out of seven, uh, but it wasn't on Sunday uh, because I had to work. Let's see, six thirty a.m. till five fifteen p.m. on Sundays. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so what we what they did was Saturday was the Sabbath. Um, and so we were basically like forbidden to work on that day. Uh, we didn't answer emails. We didn't answer phone calls, like zero stuff related to the church that I worked for happened on Saturday. And like, that was my experience there. And I, I enjoyed that because no one was bugging me. It wasn't crazy. Saturdays were just chill. That was my day. Actually, most of the time my wife and I went, you know, we went to the beach and I laid on the beach and. Like there's something about the beach, man, like sitting in front of the, the ocean that is just so it's amazing. Um, so that was a very restful time for me. And that actually was very a contemplative time for me. It was a time when I connected to God very, you know, very much in the sense of like being in nature and in awe, at, you know, the, the power, you know, the powerfulness of the ocean and just imagining how, how God created that kind of stuff, uh, you know, those things. And so that was, that's always been my experience where I work at now. Um, they, I mean, if I'm honest, I haven't thought about this until just now. They don't really keep a Sabbath. Um, 
they where I work now is super unorganized and so they're kind of always running around with their heads cut yeah. off like chickens with their heads cut off kind of and so there really there really isn't a sabbath there so I've kind of built that in myself I've built boundaries um where I specifically say no I'm not going to be like I'm not going to answer my phone after this time I'm not going to respond to your email I'm not going to be a part of these things if they fall in these days because you know this matters to me um, but it's always kind of been more so for me, like, I need time to step away from this. I need time where I can be at <laughs> peace with God. I need time where I can be with my wife kind of thing. So it's always been more yeah. of like a, a healthy boundary uh, for me um, because I've always believed this idea of like never sacrifice uh, family on the altar of ministry. That's something that was kind yeah. of driven into my head. And so these are the kind of things I think about when I think of Sabbath. Um, I don't have a super in-depth theological reasoning behind it. Uh, my biblical reasoning is because of things like you were talking about with, you know, the creation story and um, just rest being a good thing, resting in God. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Although, yeah. although the only person I knew uh, <clears throat> that was like super not allowed to do anything on Sundays was actually this Mormon kid that I grew up with playing soccer. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I remember when, if we ever had a game on Sunday, like, my friend Brady was never allowed to play because he was Mormon and, like, you'd go to hell if you did or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, see, and that's – honestly, that's something I wish more, especially Reformed Christians who at least in theory believe in a Sunday Sabbath would take seriously because I know a lot of people who – uh who miss church for their kids' sports pretty frequently and, you know, things like that. Um, and that's always really disappointing to me. Um, now, <clears throat> one thing I want to throw out there um, about my understanding of the Sabbath and the fact that Christians should set aside Sunday sure. as a holy day, um, I obviously – a lot of times people will raise objections about, like, like practical objections – um, about people who have to work or, you know, like, you know, special circumstances. Um, and I would say even in the Reformed Confessions, there are, there's a recognition that, um, that keeping the Sabbath is something we strive for, not something we're going to do perfectly all the time. Sure. Um, and there's a recognition of what Jesus taught in the New Testament um, about being Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, Jesus is and in charge. Not, <laughs> and so I think Jesus does teach us um, valuable lessons about Sabbath keeping in the New Testament about not becoming so legalistic and focused on it uh, that it's that it becomes just about following this legalistic rule, you know. And so, uh, for example, the Reformed Confessions talk about uh, works of necessity and works of mercy on the Sabbath. So, like, if there's something you have to do, like, like in order to provide for your family or in order to like you know keep your light electricity on, you know, if a work of necessity, something that has to get done. Like, you can do that. Or if there's a work of mercy, like, you know, someone's broken down on the side of the road and you, you want to stop to help them change their tire, you know? Yeah. Or or visiting a shut-in who, like, has no one to talk to on a, on a Sunday. Um, something like that. Uh, those kinds of things are okay, acceptable and even good to do on the Sabbath. Sure. Uh, can I give you, like, and, a, like a real-life example and then you yeah. respond to it? Go so, for it. Well, you and I have a mutual friend, Brandon. Yeah. Okay, Brandon. He is a police officer. Yeah. 
he oftentimes has to work on Sundays. Yeah. So, like, what do you say to someone like Brandon yeah. who's like, oh, I, I really value the Sabbath, but this is what I have to do? I think there are jobs, obviously, where that we, we can't just shut down on Sunday. And so that's one of those those other realities we have to wrestle with, with works of necessity, such as police officers, okay, um, emergency rooms, uh, things like that. You know, we, we need those people to be working. Um, the... I don't have it totally worked out like perfectly. Um, I would not condemn someone who has one of those jobs if they have to work on a Sunday. Uh, the, my my biggest advice would be try to like try to work as little as you can on Sundays. Sure. Uh, because a lot, especially in our society, there's a lot of people who aren't convictionally Christian. Uh, so even in those jobs, I feel like if you really push, there's a good chance that you could get away with not working Sundays. Yeah. Um, or at least not working every Sunday. Uh, and and so I think that's something to strive for, even when even when it's not always possible right away. Um, and then in in a perfectly Christian society, the way I've thought I've thought about this a little bit, like if we could organize society the right way, those necessary jobs, you know, we, it would be perfect if we could just have them on a rotation. So like, <laughs> you know, police officers only have to like work one Sunday out of the month or something, sure, and sure. you know, they can, ro- but obviously we're not like our society doesn't care about Sabbath keeping. So we're not going to be able to work right. out a rotation like that. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, my encouragement is for those who, who, who have to work on those kinds of days and stuff. Um, if it's a job, if possible, I would encourage Christians to, to seek as far as possible not to work on Sunday. Um, I understand there are certain jobs where sometimes you have to or, uh, you know, there might be a, t- a season of life where you have a job that you need to support your family and you can't just leave it. Yeah. And they're requiring you to work on Sundays. But I think you should always be striving for the goal of keeping that day holy. Um, and so there is a balance there. I'm not going to just go around condemning everyone who fails at it. Cause, cause like I said in the beginning, uh, the moral law is not here for, uh, for us as Christians as our ground of salvation or our, uh, our like way of being right with God, but it, it is an ideal for us to strive for still. And so I think Sabbath keeping is one of those. And so, <clears throat> I mean, I would come down pretty strict, uh, especially, compared to most in our society about some other things like i think like well like i mentioned earlier this is a pretty radical one for most christians i wouldn't go out to eat on a sunday yeah um because it forces other people to work um i i uh actually a real life example of where where theology of the sabbath comes into play uh that's pretty recent there was this uh have you heard of reformed theological seminary yes so that uh, they're they have a campus in Charlotte, North Carolina, I believe. Okay. And uh, a one guy who is a who was at one time the president of RTS Charlotte uh, just became the head coach of hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. Oh wow, very cool. And so that has been widely applauded in the reformed-ish world like the world of the gospel coalition and things like that and even a lot of pca pastors have applauded it uh, but what's really surprising is how little negative reaction it got or even like questioning it got right um from presbyterians in particular 
because if we confess that <clears throat> we believe that Sunday is the Sabbath and it should be set aside for, for especially for worship with the church, but then also just for rest and worship in general. Uh, well, you know, coaching football <laughs> hmm. is uh, in the NFL is going to make you work on a lot of Sundays. You're not going to be making it to church very often and you're not going to be keeping the Sabbath. Right, right. Um, and so I would actually take a strong position on that and say, I don't think that Christians should now, now I'll have to make a decision. I don't think Christians should play football in the NFL or coach in the NFL because it forces them to, to break the Sabbath so much. And it's not a necessary job. It's entertainment. Okay. Um, now I will, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Soften that. Or give a disclaimer. My yeah, my disclaimer for that is I'm not saying that anyone who does that isn't Christian. Sure. Right. You. I think you can still be a Christian and do that. I just think that they're not following the Sabbath command properly. Okay. Um. Does that make sense? Yeah, I so, got you. I got you. I, so my, Tim yeah, Tebow, my, you're wrong. Exactly, Tim Tebow, <laughs> that guy who's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. All those guys. Um. Yeah, so I, I would take a pretty hard stance on that just because I think it's clear in Scripture that it's not. A lot of people now will reduce the Sabbath commands to kind of a, re, a principle of resting. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that's warranted in Scripture. It seems pretty clear in Scripture that it's a day that is set apart for rest and worship. So, and, like, would you be comfortable watching the Colorado Avalanche play on Sunday? I would not. Okay. Yeah, I would not. Because like I mentioned before, not only is it not working, but also abstaining from... Uh, making I'm, other I'm people be work. Para- well, making other people work, that's part of it, but then also kind of paraphrasing the confessions. Uh, abstaining from worldly recreations. Okay. So even even like recreational activities that are okay and good for me to do on other days... I wouldn't do on the Sabbath because it's supposed to be a day that's set apart as holy. So like with that, so for you, for example, like if I texted you on Sunday, would you be allowed to respond? Yeah, I would probably text you back. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I I mean, I'm not making digs at you. I'm just trying to figure out like the limits of what you're saying. So like one thing that comes to mind. There is some gray area in it. Um... And, and the way that I think of it generally is it's not so much about coming up with a list of rules right. of like things that you can't do, right? More but it's about, it's about how do I best set this day apart as holy to the Lord? Sure. Um, and so I think it's better. And I think one of the things that Jesus teaches us in the new Testament is it's better to approach it, uh, from that positive aspect of like, of how do I set this day apart as holy to the Lord rather than approaching it from the negative of like, what are all the things I'm not allowed to do? Right. Right. You know? Uh, and I think that's more in kind of in the spirit of the command, so to speak as well. Um, and I, and I do think there are some really, I mean, I've talked a little bit about like restrictions and like the rules around the Sabbath as I see it, but I think there's some really positive things to keeping the Sabbath. So sure. Um, I would love to just share a little bit about that too, because I don't want this to just be like, okay, what are the rules? Uh, I think I think one of the one of the coolest things that I've been starting to experience as I've been uh, 
trying to keep the Lord's Day, as I like. That's kind of the the New Testament term that's used <laughs> in the beginning of Revelation. Phraseology. Um, yeah, so keeping the Lord's Day or keeping the Christian Sabbath um, is that it, it actually, I think it teaches us about the holiness of God to some degree. Because as we're striving, uh, our, our culture doesn't really know a lot about holiness or what it means to be, to, to be set apart. Okay. And so I think as we're striving intentionally to set this day apart, the Lord's day as holy to the Lord, holy to God, um, I think it actually teaches us something of God's character and of his holiness and of his set apartness. Okay. Um, and so that's one of the cool things about it, I think. Uh, and I think over time, you know, sometimes there are other things you'd rather be doing, uh, but I think it also is restful as well because there's uh, there's nowhere to truly – there's nowhere better to truly find your rest than in God. And so sure. when we're intentionally resting in him, not just resting and vegging out and doing whatever we want, but when <laughs> we're intentionally like finding refuge in him, I think that is um, extremely beneficial for us spiritually as well. Uh, I guess those are just two of the quick off the top of my head. Some of the benefits of Sabbath keeping or keeping the Lord's day as well. Sure. Um, what, how yeah. would you, so, like, one thing that comes to mind, and I think I might have an idea of how you would answer this. What would, like, what about someone who is, like, a, a pastor? They have to work. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. or here's an example. Like, I was, I was a pastor at a church where we didn't have a building. And so, very early in the morning, I had to unload not one, but two box trucks with sound equipment you know, our kids' supplies, whatever it was, front of house stuff, stage stuff, whatever, um, so that we could have worship on Sunday. Yeah. I think I, I would say two things to that. Um, first of all, it's inevitable that pastors and, like, church officers and people who have leadership roles like that um, are going to have to do some forms of work on, on the Lord's Day. Right. Um, but... I think that even within that, you can seek to. First of all, I think you should seek to. I think you should seek to minimize that work. So can you tell my do, previous job that? <laughs> don't, yeah. So so don't go back into the office after worship, for example. Um, Good idea. Call my former employers. And <laughs> yeah, help them I, I think I think you should you should still seek to set that day aside as much as possible for rest and worship. Okay. Um. And seek to minimize the work you're doing. Don't do more work than necessary. Um, and and kind of to the second point that you were making, there are like some churches where uh, the staff and even the volunteers do a lot of work. Way a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, again, some of that will be inevitable. And I, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily for staff members of churches to have another day off. Okay, so like the but, Saturday thing I was talking about previously. Right, but I don't think that's your Sabbath okay. or your Lord's Day. Okay. The Sabbath and the Lord's Day is still Sunday where you're gathering corporately with God's people to worship and you're setting the rest of that day apart for worship and rest. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's a bad idea just to have another day off. That might be a healthy practice. Um, but then also one, one, thing that, uh, one thing that really struck me actually – recently was there were a lot of churches i think i might have talked about this already even there were a lot of churches that canceled worship services uh like on december 30th i think it was like fairly recently yeah um and one of the reasons cited 
was that they wanted to give like their large volunteer teams a rest. Right. Um, and one of the thoughts I had, one of the things that struck me from hearing that, especially because I've been developing my understanding of the Lord's day, uh, is if your worship is so exhausting to produce that you need a break from it, then maybe you're putting too much effort into producing your worship. Okay. Um, and so, and I, honestly, I think this whole, as I've come to understand the Sabbath and the Lord's day more, it's actually been a stronger argument for like simple, like traditional reformed worship in my mind. Uh, because, because if it is supposed to be a day of rest and worship, then I, I think it's, uh, it doesn't make sense for us to be doing these things that like putting on these huge productions that require dozens of staff people or and dozens or even hundreds at some churches of volunteers to make it all come together, spending hours working to make it all happen. Uh, I think I think we should strive uh, to – I mean, first of all, I think there's reasons that simple worship is biblical. But on top of that, I think that simple worship uh, commends itself uh, precisely because it does – uh, help us to observe that Sabbath of resting and worshiping in God. We're not turning worship into work. Yeah. Um, and so, so there might be cases where there some work is unavoidable, but I do think we should seek to minimize that both for staff people and for volunteers. Like, I think we, we should be mindful of the fact that it's, it might be worth it not to put on a huge production and make this huge thing, uh, because it would, it would make it hard for, for our people to truly keep a Sabbath or keep a Lord's day properly. Um, so, so I guess those would be kind of my thoughts on, on that kind of issue. Cool. What would you say? And this actually, I, again, I know, I I know what you're going to say, but for our listeners, um, here's an example of something that I shared with you recently, because I just wanted to see what your genuine thoughts about it were. (laughs) Um, I also noticed that there were, because I know you're not a fan of the whole online church thing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely not. Cool. (laughs) So there recently, um, up north, they had a whole bunch of snow in Maryland and stuff like that. I had numerous, and I mean like five, six, seven, eight, you know, churches that I know that I have friends that are either pastors at or worship pastors, youth pastors where they had to cancel services because it was unsafe for people to come there. However, uh, some of the churches that I know, they still had like an online something. Like one church that I'm thinking of, their pastor still did a live stream and they he preached still and did the message just like he normally would. Um, and I know this isn't necessarily about <laughs> Sabbath. It's more so about ecclesiology. But like, what do you think about that? But I think like it all that? ties in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think that's, uh, I think using like online secondary means like that can be appropriate if your church is absolutely unable to meet. I think that doing online church stuff as a substitute for regular corporate worship is a terribly dumb thing to do (laughs) (laughs) and an unbiblical thing to do. Okay. But, but, but like you said, if there's a, a crazy snowstorm and people can't make it or something, I think, uh, out of necessity, it might be that doing something like that just is all that you can do. And so, what about somebody like, say, you <clears throat> were on vacation in Maryland for some reason? So you left Albuquerque, you went to Maryland, 
to visit my family. I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> yeah. But you did that. And like you still wanted to be a, a part of worship on Sunday and like your church had like some kind of online thing. Do you think that's still appropriate? I would if someone's traveling, I mean if if at all possible, I'd encourage them to attend. Uh, yeah, just go find a church. A church in the area they're in. Like I was out of town this last Sunday because I was visiting that seminary for that conference. Um, and so I attended a church in California. Okay. Um, but so if possible, I would say go, go to a church there. But if, if you're going to be absolutely unable to attend a church physically, then, then sure. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I was just, I was just trying to push the limits of, of that. So basically the understanding is if you can be in corporate worship, do it. If not, then online means is helpful because it remedies the situation. It's It's better better than than nothing. nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so anyway, sorry, I kind of just I kind of picked this episode topic and kind of threw it at you out of nowhere. No, it's fine, man. Um, but it's just been something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I would encourage our listeners to like if you if this is something you haven't really thought a lot about, I would encourage you to spend more time thinking about it. Um, and consider practicing the Lord's Day, practicing the Christian Sabbath, uh, setting aside. Uh, Sunday as holy, setting it apart to God, because, um, I mean, first of all, cause I do believe it's a command, it's something we're called to do, so that that's one reason. But also, I think you will see benefits, and uh, I think it will impact you positively in the long term, as as obeying God's law usually does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I I will if I remember when I'm editing this episode, I will try to. Uh, post some like articles and stuff yeah are, i was going to ask helpful. you for for helpful resources because um, this is a, from, again a topic i don't i don't have a strong opinion about yeah so I'll, I'll try to remember to post some stuff in the show notes so be on the lookout for that maybe i'll even do it as one of my like next blog posts or something ah, I'll, that I'll do could something be nice. about it that might be good too i need an idea for a blog post andy <laughs> i've been racking my brain trying to figure out what the right i'll get there well uh, I guess that's a good transition into our, <laughs> some of our closing stuff. If you have an idea for a blog post for Josh to write, uh, you can submit it to him. You can contact us on Instagram at Theology Doesn't Suck, uh, or you can reach us through our website, which is theology uh, theology doesn't suck dot com. We have a contact us page, so yeah. you can you can submit ideas for blog posts for Josh. Uh, Ideas for episodes, <laughs> um, questions, comments, uh, angry rants at me for being a legalist or something. I don't know. Um, I, for the record, I don't think I am a legalist, but just if someone thought I was. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you can do it. We have blog a blog post up now, at least, so you're, you're welcome to go check that out. Yeah, we'll Andy wrote it. Somewhat regularly on the blog portion of our website, so please check that out. Um, of course on our website, you can also find past episodes and things like that. Uh, so any other thoughts or important announcements before we sign off, Josh? Well, the caps lost in overtime. So I'm kind of, Oh wow. That's kind of upsetting, but no is my answer. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry to hear that, Josh. That is disappointing. Six games in a row, man. My heart is broken. That is, that is rough. That is rough. Well, um, everyone be praying for the Cavs. <laughs> Please. Because <laughs> uh, they're struggling. 
And until next God's time, God's nerfing them because they're too good. That's what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> is that what? Is that what's happening? Maybe God's punishing them oh, for debauchery. Ooh. I like nerfing. <laughs> it's a better word. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for listening so much. Hopefully, this was remotely edifying or at least entertaining for you. Yes. Um, until next time, I'm Andy. That's Josh. I'm this Josh. has been the All Who Doesn't Suck. Go Caps.